So just be cruel, don't speak too loud, try to fit in But if you don't, then you can be in outfit everyone and welcome to the Outfit Repeaters. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello, great to be back to a new era of the Outfit Repeaters because we are going to talk about some new content. I wish I had a sound effect. (laughs) Some new content. Good. <laughs> I really needed that. I think it's fitting. No. <laughs> the laugh track is back in the, full force. In the year 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew 2022 was so full of laughs? <laughs> Everything is funny in 2022. Yeah, we could just be speaking to each other about nothing. Yeah. And it would get a laugh track. That's how it works, right? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Was there a joke there? <laughs> Please stop. Okay, sorry. I'll 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 save it for you know important moments. But yeah, we're back. We have a whole new show to cover, and for the first time, we are both experiencing content together. Yeah, for the first time, indeed, along with the rest of the world. Or I guess the world that cares about How I Met Your Father. So yeah, we're talking about How I Met Your Father, a reboot of How I Met Your Mother. Um, It premiered this past uh, Tuesday with two new episodes uh, on Hulu, and we watched both episodes. And we also rewatched the pilot of How I Met Your Mother so we could compare the original franchise to this reboot Um, and obviously, you know, you, you have watched all of How I Met Your Mother. I have not, but it does seem like they will be planting some Easter eggs for fans of the original series throughout this reboot of How I Met Your Father. Um, for example, it seems like they are in the same apartment. Um, so they're in some way they're in the same universe. Yeah. They're in the same apartment. That is the that is one of the nostalgia reveals at the end of the first episode that two of the characters are living in the apartment that Marshall and Ted lived in and then Marshall and Lily. And the bar is also the bar from the show that has been like renamed and is under new ownership. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely set in the same universe. I'm not sure that I would call it a reboot per se because... It really is just like taking the premise and the world, but then just applying completely new characters Mm -hmm. to it. And really, it doesn't super feel like the new characters are supposed to be stand-ins for the old characters. It really does feel like it is trying to do its own thing within the parameters of this structure. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like 
you were you definitely were not prepared for the structure. This show definitely feels like a throwback um, to an earlier era of television, approximately 15 to 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the multicam comedy, it just has such a certain, like the style of it is just so, I know that they still exist primarily on, Primarily on CBS, correct? I suppose, yeah. yeah. At this point, primarily on CBS. Like, I know that, like, Bob Hart's Abishola, The Neighborhood, like, all the shows that my parents watch are multicam. And that feels right. I think that that style is for an older audience that grew up with that format, and it is still feels, like, good to them. I think that trying to apply it to a brand new show that is targeting a younger audience. I don't know how, I don't know if it works yet for me. I think, I think by the end of the second episode, I was able to sort of tune out the laugh track, but it was really jarring at first. (laughs) See, that's how it worked. Like I wasn't (laughs) saying anything funny, but it played much like it did on this show. Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I mean, we were tuning in, I think optimistic that this would be the Lizzie McGuire reboot that we did not get. I don't think it was that. I don't think we can call it that for sure. It is definitely, it didn't really satisfy that desire for anybody who might have been looking for that. And likewise, I feel like anybody who is looking for maybe some uh, of of younger to continue, it's not really that either. Although Hilary Duff... You know, as we mentioned in the previous episode, is playing a character who, you know, we've seen her kind of play throughout her career in certain aspects. Um, I, I I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have the... Uh, the, the first episode, for sure, was a little bit slow for me. Um, I think the second episode was a little bit stronger in terms of, like, establishing who the characters are. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be a journey. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. I think that I was really hard on it on my first watch, but then I kind of sat with it and I, you know, I've been perusing what the press have been saying. And honestly, it's been a lot of like meh reviews has been the overall like kind of where we're at. But the thing is, when we watched the pilot of How I Met Your Mother, that was also a meh pilot. Yeah, it's super plot. I mean, this, I want to say this one even more than How I Met Your Mother is just super plot heavy. Um, and it almost does seem like they've kind of backed themselves into a corner because they have established that, all right, your father is one of these four people. Whereas in How I Met Your Mother, it was like, all right, this woman, not your mother, but your <laughs> yeah. mother is still out there somewhere. Um, this show, So I don't know if they already have kind of like the trajectory of the show mapped out. If there's like, if they already know for sure, like, hey, the show is going to be three seasons long and we don't want people to be disappointed by the ending of this show like they were for the last show because we kept it going on too long. Um, so I'm not sure if that's what they're doing here with this. Like they really want to try and keep it as contained as possible to, you know, the idea that they have of the show now. But then again, that's always risky because they can have this idea and then no one watches the show and then it gets canceled anyways. And then they have to adjust. Yeah. Is there a world where we never learn who the father is? (laughs) 
there definitely is a world where we never learn where the father is or who the father is um or i guess where the father is um yeah hulu has been uh you know it's not unheard of uh for them to cancel shows they canceled one of my favorite shows on hulu the path which i was kind of upset about because i was really enjoying the path because as you know cults fascinate me (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there's a world where no one watches this and it gets canceled and we never learn uh well i guess you know what if it's one of those four guys, yeah, we know how she met the father. We just don't know which one we it just was. Don't know which one it is. I don't know. My thing is like, I feel like I'm trying to again go into the because I'm going to keep watching it and I'm going to continue to have an open mind. I feel like there's there there are seeds of potential, especially with episode two. And I feel like if depending on where the story goes and if they allow it to become its own thing. I'm not going to I'm not going to rule it out or shut it down. I think a lot of the press right now is being really unfair to compare a show that had a decades worth of episodes and just all that time to really become what it was to something that I think the screeners were the first four episodes. Yeah. Um especially because the early how I met your mother stuff was we, like how I met your mother picked up its stride as it went along. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm just. Yeah. I'm not gonna at be the, a negative Nancy here. Is what I'm trying to say. That's fair. I think at the on the flip side though, I think it is a tall. It's a tall order to say that how I met your father will ever amass the viewing audience that how I met your mother did because how I met your mother was on CBS, like the most watched network among like old people. And I just don't know that, like, you have to actively seek out Hulu and and find How I Met Your Father and, uh, I don't know, do all these things. So I don't know that it'll necessarily ever scale the way that How I Met Your Mother did. That's true. And I do think it was such a choice to continue the franchise in this way because Mm -hmm. the people who cared about How I Met Your Mother, I don't think will care about this. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see this show if it's able to find its audience and if they really are just kind of hoping Hillary Duff will carry this. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I mean, we watched, uh, we, we, as I mentioned, we rewatched the, how I met your mother pilot, um, to compare to this one. And as I noted at the time, like Josh, Josh Radner has this just unique, uh, sad man energy. (laughs) (laughs) That he just brings with him in whatever role he plays. And I, I mentioned the the NBC show where he was like a sad drama teacher uh, trying to save his drama department and he couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just that sad energy that he brings. And I don't think they're, they're, I mean, they're trying to give that to Hilary Duff, I guess. But like, I don't, she's not as good at playing a sad person. I don't know. She just doesn't have that like, inherently like beaten down quality maybe because she's always been successful (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that they're trying to make ted and sophie the same character yeah i think that sophie is a lot more chaotic like that's more her energy i don't think it's supposed to be like sad girl no i think it's just supposed to be chaotic millennial i think it's like a variation of 
her Kelsey Peters character mm-hmm. from younger. But yeah, I guess that's like the the kind of like the middle space where the writers have found themselves now where like they are like the fans of the show are older for sure now of the original show, How I Met Your Mother. But, you know, are those old people really going to relate to this character, Sophie, especially because actually I don't know this for a fact, but uh, I don't know like the male female skew of How I Met Your Mother. But like I'm assuming if it was mostly men, are they now going to watch How I Met Your Father and be like, oh, this girl just going on Tinder dates <laughs> and just like not really get what the character is. I feel like demographically it was probably a 50-50 split. I mean, it's a it's a very rom-com premise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you said that a lot more eloquently than what I was trying to say about the demographics over time because How I Met Your Mother started in 2005. Also, just the the star power of that original cast is just mwah. For sure. Like I would say that at this point in their careers, the original or at like that time in their careers, like all of the people who had been in or who were in the How I Met Your Mother pilot had some clout beforehand. Like obviously Jason Siegel came from Freaks and Geeks. Allison Hannigan was in all the American Pie movies. Um, yeah, she got the and Allison Hannigan. Yeah, she was. You know, American Pie was big in the early 2000s. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. So I don't know what like do I know? I'm not even sure. What do I know Christopher Lowell from, if anything? Like, who is this guy? The Help? That's his first credit. <laughs> like, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't remember the one white guy in The Help. I, I would say that uh, there was definitely more star power at this comparable point uh, in the original franchise. At the same time, I like what I'm seeing from some of the newcomers, so I don't think Mm -hmm. that that's necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all, but it's just like if they were really looking to kind of like get this up off the ground and bring in like a really diverse uh, audience in terms of like fandoms, they really just have Hilary Duff, and I guess they, uh, I don't know, are there Kim Cattrall fans? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are like Kim Cattrall where was she in and just like that oh here she is talking directly at me <laughs> I have things to say about that but I'll wait until we get more into the episodes um one thing I want to kind of shout out before we jump in is just to kind of discuss the the team that even brought this to life Okay. Um, Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger, who have been behind some of my favorite content as of late. Um, mm-hmm. They are writers and producers on This Is Us. They wrote Love, Simon, and then went on to create Love, Victor. I just think that they put out good stuff. And I wonder, again, if the biggest sort of hurdle with doing this show was feeling a bit confined structurally yeah, and in the format. Like this is as far as I know, or I've seen it's, this is also their first time doing multicam. I think they also did um, about a boy, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely, I feel like uh, a lot more they could have explored had it been a single cam show, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Yeah, because I mean, the thing about multicam that is really jarring to watch, I think, is it feels more like theater. 
in terms of the way the actors are performing. Like it was very it was very jarring to me to see Hillary Duff play, you know, a bit more like doing gags and like little like shticks like when she's like says her phone is hungry and just starts making like gobbly noises. I'm like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that's fair. No, I feel like, uh, you know, there's definitely limitations to the storytelling in a multicam show that you just can't get because you can't get those camera angles. Like, so much of, like, modern television and film, it, like, uh, ascribes to the the mantra of, like, show, don't tell. It's just very hard to do that on a multicam show. Like, a multicam show is basically 80% tell. Go off with that film degree. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's that's why it's that's why it's not my favorite. Yeah, and I think that, you know, at a certain point in the history of television, it was what we had. It worked. And when you're Well, yeah, it's cheaper to make, for sure. I mean, that's the point of doing that. Why Hulu feels the need to make a cheap show? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing too. I think that multicams work for me when I'm watching them through a like nostalgic lens or like this is like almost like a piece of television history like I thought that how I met your mother it like the jokes and the timing it all landed much better and even if I go back before that to you know the classic multicams it just watching it now something that was made in this moment and like trying to be very culturally like there's so many like random pop culture references and like it just felt like I was watching something old but also new and I just it was it was confusing my brain yeah if I'm making any sense right now well not only that you have to put yourself in the mindset of uh you know half of the show is set in 2050 maybe not half but mm. like uh you know 20 percent of the show is set in 2050 and now you have to be like, oh, in 2050, we're still making multicams. <laughs> multicams still chugging along. Yeah. And I mean, I, I said this to you as well. So there's a dual timeline here where there's the older Sophie played by Kim Cattrall in 2050 telling the story over video chat to her unseen son about how she met, you know, her son's father back in the year and they're very explicit about this in the year 2022. <laughs> so this entire show is taking place in the year 2022. It was hard to live in the moment in 2022. I agree. <laughs> it's just so hard to put yourself, like sit yourself down in like a non-COVID 2022 world that you're watching in this show. And I don't understand why they did it. Like they could have, well, Obviously, in the original show, they do the flash forward to like 2030 and it takes place in, you know, whatever era that was, 2005. Yeah. But they're not facing the the worldly issues <laughs> that we are, the global pandemics that we are. So there's no like cognitive dissonance you have to have. So I feel like that's another check. They could have easily made this 2019 <laughs> or just left the years out entirely. I don't know why they did this. Yeah, it's not so much that there is a time jump. It really is that they just keep hammering 2022. <laughs> They're really us. optimistic for this year. I, you know what? Hats off to them and their optimism. Yeah, it is. It is a choice. They commit. They do. 
they do commit. They go to a full-on club. Yeah. <laughs> and multiple bars. I almost think it could have been. Now, this is just me. I don't know. I think it could have been interesting because they're so committed to this structure, this franchise. At that point, I think How I Met Your Mother ended in like maybe 2014, I want to say. Because um, it had about a 10, I think there were 10 seasons. So if you want to have like clean dates, if that's something that's important to you, go like 2015, pick it up maybe like a year later. Oh, do I, um, oh my God, what's the, that show we just watched with uh, William Jackson Harper? Oh, Love Life? Yeah, Love Life. And just set it in like 2016. Yeah. Well, yeah, that like it takes place like right after the uh, the f- first season. 2015 might have been one of the last good years. <laughs> it okay. was like all downhill. Like that would have been such a, in, that would have been a more, if you want it to be this, again, kind of dated thing, because tonally I feel like so much is missing from the show by setting it in 2022, just like mm-hmm. with everything we've been through, not even just pandemic wise, just even like in terms of, like the social justice movement, like that was a huge thing, particularly in New, like in New York, the conversations about representation that came out of that. I mean, the fact that we don't have a black character in this core cast definitely wow. you feels don't count like a Ian? I don't count Ian because Ian? Ian is moving to Australia. Okay, but Ian is obviously a part of the main cast. He's shown up in each of these first two episodes. He didn't uh, show up in the second episode. He was a text. He was a text, but you see his face. I don't know. Is he And in- I have to assume, you know, he's he's in the, sh- like, he's here. IMDb has him down for. Right, but is he in the cast poster? Is he in the cast poster? This is a good question. Uh, he is not. He is not. He is not in the cast poster, but he is credited for 10 episodes. Okay, well, he's not in the main cast. He's a part of the show, but he's not in the main cast. And it's like in the year 2022, are you really going to set a show in New York City and not put any black actors in the main cast? That's fair. I mean, that's (laughs) not to say that there aren't diverse characters in this main cast. No, that's true. That's true. I just... You're right. This isn't Sex in the City or Girls yeah. by any stretch. Half of them are white, yes, but the other half are minorities. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I'm just, I was speaking to one particular absence that felt a little bit glaring to me. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Do we have anything else to add in terms of setup or would you like to jump into the episodes? Let's Let's jump in. Should I so, do... So we'll we'll jump into the episodes. We'll talk about one and two. And then we are, of course, going to make our predictions Who's about... the daddy? ...who the father is. So, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the episodes first, though. Cool. So in the pilot episode of How I Met Your Father, which aired on January 18th, 2022, after a slew of letdown Tinder dates... Sophie meets the seemingly perfect guy. Sophie's roommate, Valentina, returns from London Fashion Week with a sexy souvenir, and a car service phone mishap leads them to an eclectic new group of friends. And that's what happens. Yeah. That was a bad, that was a bad description, I think. 
That was not, that was very um, staccato. <laughs> this is what it is. It's true. Let's jump in. So it is the year 2050. Voice recognition software is still terrible. Kim Cattrall, as the older Sophie, is trying to call her son. Now, what do you think of this as a narrative device in general? Uh, I did not like it. Um, I am generally not a fan of uh, people talking directly at me through the screen. This did not change my mind. Yeah, so I didn't love it either. I think that it works much better in the original show because it's the perspective is flipped where mm-hmm. you're just hearing Bob Saget's voice, rest in peace, but and you're seeing the children. The reason that that backfired is because they filmed the ending of the show at the beginning of the series because naturally the kids would age and they needed to capture that final reaction to the mother. But then the story got so far away from that ending that by the time they like tried to write it back and circle back to it, it just, it was one of the most infuriating series finales, I think, of all time. (laughs) Game of Thrones would like you to hold its beer. (laughs) Okay, that was bad too. No, I remember though, I remember watching that finale because by that point I had like binged the show on Netflix, but I had caught up by the end. So mm-hmm. I was watching it in real time. And I remember being like viscerally upset about that finale for weeks. Wow. That is too long to be upset about the <laughs> finale of a TV show. It's, I, 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 I am passionate. I'm a passionate person. So I like that they are avoiding that this time. They're obviously framing it this way to hide the, you know, the potential like that her son could be biracial. And if they show a child, then that would just like give away who the father is or who it is not. Mm -hmm. So that is also, I'm sure, part of the reason for keeping the kid hidden. I hope as the series goes on, we will move. I mean, I, I don't know how, though. Maybe they just stop. I, I just want them to stop showing Kim Cattrall. Just let it be her voice. I, yeah. Based on how these first two episodes have gone, I think Kim Cattrall is in it. Yeah, Kim Cattrall is <laughs> here the, to stay. For the long haul. I Yeah, Hillary Duff said that she came in like a boss and filmed all of her episodes in one day. She's like, she filmed like 10 episodes in one day. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, she's just one location and she's, you know, she really just films a couple Lines. Yeah, a couple lines each episode. So, I mean, sure, like a boss. (laughs) (laughs) Show some respect. All right, sorry. So, yes, Kim Cattrall is very, Sophie, rather, is very insistent that now is the time that her child needs to hear the entire story of how she met his father. Why that day? Why now? Who knows? But it's happening. He has to listen to this. I'm so sorry for this poor child yeah um so we flash back it is the year 2022 it was hard to live in the moment in 2022 and in the year 2022 we see a young sophie hopping into the back of an uber driven by a character named jesse who is played by christopher lowell in the passenger seat is jesse's friend sid he is on his way to propose to his girlfriend. 
He's in a long distance relationship currently. She is a doctor in, I think, LA. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks that she is going to a Beyonce concert tonight, but nope, Sid's just proposing. This isn't the moment, but I feel like it's helpful context. Hillary Duff has been on 87 Tinder dates this year. And yeah. <laughs> but this one, um, this is the one. She's had a couple bad Tinder dates in the past. Uh, specifically, the last one was pretty rough. But now she's going to meet Ian. And Ian is uh, a marine biologist based in Australia. And they've been really hitting it off virtually via, you know, it seems like... Uh, mostly messaging apps um and now they're going to meet in person for the first time and uh sophie's very excited about it yeah can you just imagine dumping all of this on your uber driver (laughs) no i cannot oh and also she needs to charge her phone make some weird hungry noises (laughs) sorry that really sent me yeah we learn a bit of who sophie is and get some character development through this exposition um, we learned that she's a photographer and right now she's just doing like birthday parties and, you know, engagement shoots, but her heart is in street photography. Yes. Yeah, so again, we learned this through two episodes. Have we seen her do any work? We have not no. even seen her. <laughs> we have not even seen her pick up a camera. <laughs> I know we've seen her take one bad f- camera or uh, one bad picture on her phone. From there, she gets dropped off. She's on her date with Ian. They are connecting. Everything is perfect, but oh no. He's actually moving to Australia. Yeah, he's got a big uh, career opportunity um, doing marine biology things. And so it's just not going to work. He's going to spend long amounts of time at sea with no service. Like It's just not an ideal situation. The show, the way the show sets them up it's very much a like right person wrong time situation Mm -hmm. sophie's bummed yeah she got i think she got her hopes up a little bit too high on this one she got very (laughs) attached very quickly i would say yeah um especially for someone who went on 87 tinder dates like your success rate is zero like like, let's show a little bit more caution here i feel like as people who have not been on the apps we are in no place to judge i'm not judging i'm just i'm just saying it is rough out there yeah you know like i don't like you know just take it slow yeah so from there we go back to sophie's apartment where we meet valentina who is played by francia reza from the secret life of the american teenager an abc family classic they're talking about the date it's perfect, but he's moving, yada, yada. And, oh, wow, there's also a naked man in their apartment. I will say, so the roommate, Valentina, I feel like through two episodes, I don't really understand her character yet. Um, they don't give her that much by way of, well, I, they don't they don't give her anything um, by way of backstory. And she's she's there to be, like, I guess the, you know, the comic relief, but she's not super funny like uh i will say that in episode two uh charlie like became you know probably my favorite yeah Yeah, i guess i would say favorite character it wasn't it wasn't there in the pilot episode no the evolution of charlie was a delight to see 
Yeah. Yeah, he's just a beautiful British man. No, I mean, I think that, well, I guess we can get into this more in episode two, but I think they the show really found um, kind of like one, I mean, one of its, you know, main sources of comedy, it seems, is going to be the relationship between um, Charlie and Sid because it seems like they are very, like they obviously are two very different people who come from different backgrounds, but they're so connected in terms of like their <laughs> desires and the way that they express themselves that I think that's going to be probably the bromance. Yeah. Where most of the, co- most of the comedy, at least in the early part of season one comes from because they had I don't more know, the chemistry rest of, than, yeah. than Charlie and Valentina. Because, yeah. The rest of the characters aren't that funny. Most of them are just sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, which is challenging for a for a for a comedy, <laughs> a multi cam comedy. Yeah, that really relies on that laugh track. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> but yes, we. This is where it all begins with Charlie. Charlie is presented as this hoity-toity Brit, comes from money. He's an aristocrat, right? Do they yeah. use that word? They do. Mm-hmm. But he said goodbye to it all and moved to New York with Valentina when his family rejected her because they're racist. So, yeah, he's living with them. Yeah, and his, like, fish out of water story is also very amusing to me. Like, just, like, trying. This, again, comes out more in episode two, but just, like, the trying to fit in with not wealthy people. Yeah, he's really trying to do his best, like, Joe Millionaire, if you will. (laughs) Please no. (laughs) But I digress. This is the moment where, so, meet Valentina, meet Charlie. We're sad about Ian. I'm going to text Ian. Oh, no, I don't have my phone. I have Sid's phone. She literally just realizes this. She goes through an entire date and gets home without realizing that she doesn't have her phone. That feels like a plot hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that feels ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. How long did that take? Seven seven minutes? Six minutes? It was very fast. <laughs> I didn't even think about it and how absurd that is until I just said it out loud. So now she has to go return his phone and get her phone back so she can text Ian before he leaves. So they get to the bar. Everybody thinks that. Sid has arrived because they're tracking his phone. It is not. And throughout this sort of escapade, we learn more about Jesse's backstory. Again, sad. Yeah, so he is um, infamous. Um, his, he's known uh, to the greater internet as Mr. Proposal Fail for proposing to his girlfriend, uh, Leighton Meester, uh, his bandmate, and promptly getting rejected and then he falls off the stage and she went on to have a solo music career in Europe. Um, I feel like there's probably a 65% chance Leighton Meester ends up joining the cast in a meaningful way. I hope so. I would (laughs) love to see that. Yeah. Bring in some more early odds star power, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that is... That is Jesse's sad story. We also meet Ellen, who I think is also a promising newcomer here. She is played by Tian Tran, and she is 
Jessie's adopted sister. She is a divorced lesbian who is just ready to meet all of the single ladies that New York has to offer. She has recently moved. She was previously in the Midwest. I mean, her backstory is a bit reductive in terms of like, you know, there are gay people in the Midwest. There aren't, like she was just, she made it seem like there was just me and one other lesbian and therefore we were together. Yeah. And now I'm in New York and there are all of these lesbians. <laughs> Regardless, it's cute. I'm here for her. I'm here for her journey. Um, but again, another kind of like bummer backstory. They're all sad. <laughs> yeah. um, except for Sid, who is now engaged. Proposal happens. She says yes. Uh, but then she immediately has to leave. Yeah, she um, there's a there's a breakthrough at the I guess the hospital she works at where is it a heart becomes available or something along those lines and she has to go right away. Yeah, to perform a transplant. Yeah, to to do the surgery. And so they have to get to the airport. And this coincides with Sophie deciding to make a grand gesture at the airport to uh, convince Ian to take a <laughs> shot. But before they leave, we have to talk about the Brooklyn Bridge girl. Um, Sophie and Jesse are talking Again, he's sad, but she's optimistic and she knows that there is a Brooklyn Bridge girl out there for him. And he's like, what's that even mean? And so Sophie says that, you know, she's lived in New York since college, but she's never walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. And she didn't do it for so long that she decided that she won't do it until she meets her soulmate. And then they will walk across the Brooklyn Bridge together for the first time. So romantic. <laughs> it's... You, you know, I feel like the Brooklyn Bridge is fine, but she's hyped it up too much now. <laughs> she really has. It's going to disappoint you now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's fine. Just go in with low expectations. It's going to be cold and windy, and it's going to be longer than you thought it was, and it's going to be hard to get to in the first place because it's not especially close to the subway, and then you have to cross a main street. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all of that is left out. Um, um, so, so yeah, again, I, I think temper your expectations. Yeah, and then Jesse's reaction to this is, oh, so, like, you must be one of those people who has this, like, false sense of romance because your parents are still together. They've been together for 30 years. You see love, and you're like, this actually works. And Sophie's like, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, airport fail. Airport um, fail. I, again, this is the same scene basically as they had at the bar. <laughs> Ian yeah, is he's like, like, he's like, girl, now <laughs> fourteen hour time difference. This is not going to work. Yeah, he was like, it was a no before, but now you're you're crazy. <laughs> you can't. And the thing about the airport that's always like, he has sent her like a picture of his boarding pass and stuff, and she's like. Oh, I know exactly where in the airport he's going to be. He's going through security for like hours. Like <laughs> he's at his gate. <laughs> yeah. This is a plot hole. Yeah. So in response to this rejection, Sophie is done waiting for someone to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge with. She's going to do it right now. Dang it. Cut to the 
most fake ass Brooklyn Bridge I have seen in my life. Yes. Uh, there was no people. There were no people. There were no cars. There was no wind. There's no wind. <laughs> yeah. And this, I don't know. The The end of this episode was a little bit heavy for me. It was almost like every character needed to have a moment, like a sad moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> because there's the moment. First, there's the moment where Valentina and Charlie have a moment um, where, you know, Valentina is like, I have some regrets but you know what? You're I like that you're brave and, and and New York is magic and I'm magic and you should give our magic a shot. Yeah. But then of course Sophie needs to have a moment. It's like Valentina also telling Jesse that Sophie has a tragic past, which is, you know, basically that her mom sucks and her dad is gone. And then Yeah, the only thing <laughs> magical about Sophie is that she still believes in love at all. Yeah, it's like it's too it's too much. Too many emotional moments bogging down this Brooklyn Bridge escapade. It's just like such heavy exposition too. Yeah. It's just like like one of my greatest peeves with dialogue is exposition as dialogue, which the show is really heavy on. Like when characters speak and it's not something you would actually say you're just saying it for the benefit of the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing takes me out of it faster than that. But yeah, she walks across the Brooklyn bridge. They walk across the Brooklyn bridge. Um, and then they go back to Sid's apartment for drinks. And this is the big apartment reveal. Uh, same, same set from how I met your mother. And Sophie says, and that's the night I met your father. Mm -hmm. So we now know that one of the four men in this episode, Jesse, Sid, Ian, or Charlie, is the father. Yep. Um, boom. One down. Yeah. So that was the end of the pilot. I will say before we move on, I do think that the way these characters are coming together is an interesting difference from the original series because in the original, it was very much like we're all friends from college. And they're just like a core group that has stuck together and become really codependent. Whereas this show, I, th I think it also might feel like a slower start because it's more like two groups coming together. I don't know. I like the original more because obviously there's more of like a backstory when you have that shared history. Like I just have more questions about it, about Sophie and I guess Valentina as well. Like, who are your friends? <laughs> like, why are you just calling these randos to go to a bar with you? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I hear you. I think that their friendship is very underdeveloped. At this point, it's probably the most underdeveloped relationship. Like, how did you two meet? Where, where are you from? Like, what is, what is this story? Were you friends from college? Yeah, or? and it's like, well, it's like you have to set up Charlie with a group of your friends, which is basically the main plot of the second episode. And instead of setting him up with, like, friends you already have, you're like, how about these strangers we just met? Yeah, that's fair. I think showing people, you know, I think making friends as an adult is hard and made it seem way too easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool so then that's episode one um i think we should just power through and then do our predictions at the end yeah i thought that was always the plan i was just confirming <laughs> for 
the listeners. Moving on to episode 102. This episode is called FOMO, and it also aired on January 18th, 2022. In this episode, Sophie and the gang head to an exclusive new club for a wild night out. Valentina has doubts about her relationship with Charlie. Sid pushes Jesse to be open to love. And Ellen tries her luck with the women at the club. So now we get into it. We've established who our characters are. And now we see them more in action. It seems like we start or we pick up pretty much from where we left off. Um, it seems like it's maybe it's not the next morning, but it's like within the week. Right. And Sophie is upset about how things transpired with Ian. Yeah, she backslid. She backslid and we learn um, that her sad song is Drops of Jupiter by Twain. Uh, train. By Twain. By Twain. <laughs> by, Ooh. yes, by Shania Train. <laughs> and <laughs> this, is, this becomes, I, I don't know, has there ever been a, a song more overused in a, in a piece of content? Uh, actually, no, here's my question for you. What is more overused? Is it train, uh, a drops of Jupiter by train in this 20 minute episode of how I met your father or you're all I need to get by (laughs) (laughs) in the Apple TV plus movie Coda. Ooh, I probably have to give it to Coda, but (laughs) it was better in Coda. It was, it's more excusable in Coda. I mean, yeah, I think like. As a percentage of the overall content, it's got to be close. Yeah, because we saw we saw two clips of a distraught Sophie singing along to the track. We did. We heard her acapella outside the club. We did. <laughs> and then we heard it at the bar at the end. We did. So that was four times four in times. 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's once every five minutes. The song is only like three and a half minutes. <laughs> It's such an earworm. I hate it. It's been stuck in my head all day. I'm not going to lie. Drops of Jupiter. And yeah, so basically, uh, Valentina decides that, you know what? We need a night out. We're going to go to a club called FOMO. And also, she wants to break up with Charlie, despite the moment that, I don't know, it's this episode, like their arc seems similar to the arc in the last episode. So I don't know if this is going to happen every episode, but if it does, it's going to get old. Where they almost break up, but don't. Yeah. Also, can we talk about Club FOMO for a second? I think that it's wild, again, the way that this show is trying so hard to speak of the moment, but also just feels immediately dated. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say FOMO all the time? No. No mo. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, In the year 2022. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's again that thing where who are they trying to cater to? Because the young people aren't <laughs> aren't exper- aren't sharing your FOMO, um, and the old people are like, what is the FOMO? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little cringy. But yes, the Valentina arc is that she is feeling smothered by Charlie. Again, like like you said, we don't know enough about who she is for this to really land. But we really do see Charlie as the like comic relief. He starts to shine in this episode. Yeah. He is funny. I he laughed. Is, is, I yeah, actually I laughed. I got my first hearty chuckle. I think like 
15 minutes into the second episode of this show. I agree. I mean, yeah, I feel like he got more of an opportunity to be the character that is kind of like, obviously we heard like, again, it's the show don't tell thing where we heard a lot about his backstory in episode one, but we didn't really see that come through in his character. But I think in this episode, we obviously see him try to fit in, but he doesn't because He's come up from a very different background, a very wealthy background. He's somebody who wears cufflinks, uh, isn't necessarily familiar with the, I guess, quote unquote, like working class things that his new peers are. Um, and uh, him trying to you know, rediscover who he is uh, in order to uh, become friends with these new people is comedic. Yeah. And it's endearing. Yeah. He went to a bodega. A bo- yes, a bodega. He met Andrew Yang there. And, they- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was no cat. Yes. <laughs> Not a real bodega. No. Yeah, so. Oh, my pet peeve was in the next scene, they decide to invite uh, the people that they met just earlier this week to FOMO with them to become Charlie's friends. And for some reason, uh, Sophie has decided she's going to wear her Michael Jordan jersey backwards. And I don't understand. Oh, yeah, that really stressed you out. <laughs> like, why? Why would you do that? Like, why I don't, is his name on the front? Yeah, why Why is the name on the front? It, 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 it makes no sense. Yeah, it bothered me, for sure. You might as well just flash, you know, a poster for The Last Dance yeah. <laughs> up on the screen. Jeez. Like... We get it. 23 is Jordan's number. Yeah. So then. So wear it backwards. So then. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So then Sophie is going to send Jesse a DM to invite them. And then we cut to Jesse receiving the DM and he is helping Sid repaint the bar with Ellen. A crisp white dove paint, which becomes an important detail in the Charlie of it all, which is what I'm really in this for at this point. They're being very heavy-handed at this point with Jesse and Sophie. Like, the friends are kind of, the, sorry, the friends. Like, Sid and Ellen are really kind of, like, negging him about it. They think that this is a setup, um, that um, Sophie is looking for a rebound. Um, I'm a little confused about the bar overall. Um, Like, I'm a little confused about how Sid ended up inheriting this bar, if it is indeed the same bar that was in the main show. But obviously, I didn't watch the main show, so I don't know how it ended. But his big ambition with the bar is to really kind of like build it up, have regulars who come in, order their usual. He's uh, enlisted the help of a uh, young NYU student to teach him, you know, I guess, (laughs) slang and uh, help him. manage the bar yeah it's like what happened to that bar in the in the space between because oh you don't know either no oh interesting okay i don't remember but like that bar was such a central location in the show where like it had the regulars they did order usuals Mm -hmm. it was a whole thing so it is interesting to think about what happened in the space between how i met your mother ending and how i met your father beginning um well (laughs) i have one theory it was hard to live in the moment in 2022. <laughs> oh, my Atlanta. Uh, I don't know. It's 2022. What do we think could have happened to the bar? So you think this was like a good deal for Sid uh, in like a post-pandemic universe? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. No, the original bar got foreclosed. The rent got too high or the owner died from COVID. Or the pandemic just <laughs> shut yeah. it down. And now here we are painting crisp white dove on the ceiling. Yes. On the walls. On the windows. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then they decide to go. We cut right to outside the club. And Hillary Duff's outfit in this scene is very reminiscent of the outfit that she wore as Lizzie McGuire in the press photos that were released. You should take a look. It's very similar. Is it? And her hair is the same too. The photo of her and Adam Lamberg is the outfit that I'm referencing. Where she's just in like a coat and like a No, she shirt? takes off the sweater and she's in like the, the, the purple, yeah, oh, that. Okay. With the hair. Now put in... Google what you need to Google to get the photo of her with Adam Lamberg. Uh, it's a green shirt. But it has the same kind of like pattern situation. And this feels like a stretch. And the hair. The hair is the same. Well, yeah, that's just her hair. No, the style of the hair, not the color of her hair. Oh I, my God. I don't know. This feels uh, this feels like wishful thinking to me. No, it's... but if your if your theory is correct, then what you you shot down the idea last episode last episode we recorded that Adam Lamberg would show up at some point in this series, but now you're saying it's likely because the press photo for Lizzie McGuire was probably taken on the set of How I Met Your Father. <laughs> I don't know what you're I don't know what you're suggesting. No, I'm just saying that costume that outfit felt like a nod to lizzie mcguire it felt very lizzie okay it's a, it's a completely different shirt but sure you're bothering me <laughs> it's this is thing purple people are talking this about it is on TikTok. green it's it's not about it matching specifically i'm talking about the aesthetic you're bothering me let's move on and why there's no interest in anybody from doing like why would any of First of all, why would Hulu want that when they got all the bad press for not picking it up? Why would they? As someone who is still pretending that this is the Lizzie McGuire reboot, I just wanted to note it. Okay. You're annoying me. Let's move on. <laughs> Let me have this. All right. Oh, I don't even know where I am in my notes. I'm so distraught. Ian texts with a Momoa. Yes, a Momoa. This was so dumb. I hated this. Yeah. They have an inside joke where apparently there are just so many people who look like Jason Momoa out in the wild. Yeah, and so whenever this happens, they need to take a picture of the stranger and text <laughs> text so it weird. to the other person. Yeah. Yeah, isn't there like Jason Mimosa? I don't know. I didn't write them all like down. Jason with a boa. Yeah. All wordplay. It was a stupid thing. I, I Don't take pictures of strangers without their <laughs> consent. What are you talking about? That's Sophie's career ambition. That's true. <laughs> she wants to be a street photographer, a.k.a. take pictures of other people without their consent. That is literally her, her like, life ambition. Yeah, who does Ian think he is sending Sophie a Momoa text? Yeah. He was not down to LDR. <laughs> yeah, so they go in. There's one rule, no photos in FOMO. And inside, it's it's going kind of awkwardly. Ellen's going around trying to hit on people. Jesse, it, you know, he thinks that he's being set up uh, with Sophie, and so he's trying to make conversation, but it's awkward. 
Um, Charlie is trying to become friends with Sid and Jesse, and that's awkward as well. It's um, endearing. He's trying to be of the people. <laughs> and uh, Jesse invites Sophie to go talk in like a more private, quiet place. And Sophie's like, okay, um, I'll meet you out there. But on the way there, lo and behold, she sees a Momoa. A Momoa. Yes. And what what now? She has to text a picture of this stranger. She's weak. <laughs> to another weak. pretty much stranger that she's met twice who now lives in Australia full time. And Valentina catches her in the act. She's like, you can't do this. And then she's like, if you're going to take a picture of the Momoa, I'm going to break up with Charlie. And then they're like, okay, let's both make bad choices together. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how bad choices work. If you both make a bad choice, they cancel each other out. Um, so Sophie takes the photo and immediately gets kicked out of FOMO, which brings us to my favorite line in the series <laughs> thus far. Yes, which indeed. probably isn't as funny out of context. Probably not. But <laughs> it's Charlie. Char- so throughout this whole episode, he's trying really hard to be of the people. He is butchering the pronunciation of PBR. How does he say it? He just says like pay bay. Uh, no, he says like pubara. Pubara, yeah. Yeah. Pubara. He's just you know trying to be one with the traditional American friend setup. So what's your favorite entry-level sedan? <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> and he says it to Sid, and Sid just kind of, like, rolls his eyes. And ugh, the timing, mwah. I just think that Charlie is single-handedly keeping me invested at this point. Yeah, but so hard. promptly, Valentina breaks up with him. Yeah. Yeah. She feels smothered, and she vocalizes this. Outside, as we mentioned, Sophie is singing Drops of Jupiter again. Valentina joins her, tells Sophie about the breakup, also tells her that Jesse thought you invited everyone out tonight because you were into him. Sophie feels kind of bad about that. And that's that's a wrap on FOMO. Now, I just got to say that the presentation, like what, what we saw of FOMO, I personally did not feel FOMO. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, there was nothing particularly special about that bar. Um, they mentioned special things like, for example, I guess there's a hula hoop room and there's a room of like nostalgic candy, but the room we saw was very unimpressive. Yeah. We have seen way wilder club party scenes on younger. We have seen like Jane Krakowski run into a glass door. That was more FOMO inducing than this. The budget for this show does not feel particularly high. They probably used, like, most of their budget just to get Hilary Duff to be in it, to be honest. They probably spent most of it to get Kim Cattrall on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, Hilary Duff seems to just be doing whatever they want her to do. She's out here doing The Bachelor as well. Like, Kim Cattrall could not be bothered. She's like, (laughs) they're like, hey. No, Hilary Duff does not do what Hilary Duff doesn't want to do. Okay, but what has Kim Cattrall done to help push the show? Where have you seen Kim Cattrall? Nowhere. <laughs> no, no, nowhere. <laughs> um, the thing about the other bar that's confusing to me is so then they cut to the the other bar where most of the group have reconvened, and it seems like the bar is open. Like, there's other people just hanging around the bar, but, like, does that mean that we're to assume that um, Jasper is just running the bar solo? clear i think we can assume that there's more than one employee 
I don't know. What I, what can we assume? I don't know. It's like, but if the bar is open, you would think Sid would want to be there, especially in these early stages of, of the bar. Yeah, but you can't expect Sid to work 24-7. Well, no one's expecting him to work 24-7, but, you know, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It feels Run like your they're, bar. they're making it a little bit complicated <laughs> with yeah. him being the owner of the bar. Yeah, that's true. And here we get Sid and Charlie beginning to connect. Yeah, Charlie uh, compliments the paint job and orders a usual. And they also bond over the cufflinks. Mm -hmm. Sid is like, those are some really nice cufflinks. Again, we get the same conclusion that we got in the pilot in terms of Valentina and Charlie making up. But this time, Charlie's moving out. He's like... You're right. This is too much too fast. I'm going to move out. I'm going to take you on a date and we're just going to slow down. And then they probably have sex in the closet. Yes. The way that this show uses sex and like talks about sex also feels like oddly dated Mm -hmm. and out of touch and feels very early aughts. Like at the beginning of the episode when Sophie's like scared of porn and like all the innuendo. It's like You're on Hulu. You can be a little bit more explicit, but it still feels very network. (laughs) They cannot. Excuse me. This is true true to the original. Yeah, I guess so. Ellen is happy about all of her rejection throughout the night. She put herself out there. Yeah, she's optimistic. She's optimistic. There are so many lesbians in New York just waiting for her. I'm sure there were a lot more lesbians where she came from as well. (laughs) Probably. I am excited for that character to kind of break out of this shtick because I like the actress and I like the way she's delivering her lines, but her character right now is very one note. Then we cut to Jesse who cannot get the jukebox to work and just thinks that everything hates him. Yeah, um, he and Sophie have a moment where they basically realize that they shouldn't be together because they are both a mess. The fact that he had a cat named Girl so that he could call it Jesse's Girl is definitively a red flag. That is a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. But his song is also Drops of Jupiter. Wow. Oh boy. They are meant to be together. <laughs> yeah. A moment of connection. Yeah. And then we get the line concluding a narration that Sam has been Yes. for us the entire episode. It was hard to live in the moment in 2022. <laughs> yeah, but Drops of Jupiter really centered her. Yes, and uh, she erases the Momoa text that she was sending back to Ian, and it's uh, goodbye for now, Ian, but you'll be back in the next episode, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and that is the end of the second episode. Indeed. We did it. We did it. Eight more to go. Eight more to go. <laughs> yeah, I hope it gets better for both of our sakes. Me too. Um, I see glimmers of hope and potential. I mean, it's it's struggling. Like, I'm looking right now at IMDb, obviously, and there's a lot of upset people who are just comparing it to the original and are disappointed. And I feel like that's the that's always the um the challenge when you have a reboot or a spinoff. You know, this is why the that 70s show reboot, that 80s show did not go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really unfair, 
But it's also like, what did you expect? Well, I I wouldn't say it's unfair. It's totally fair. Like they're trying to capitalize on something and missing the mark. Like I think any criticism is fair. But like criticism is fair when you take the show for what it is. Like, yes, there were flaws in these episodes that we discussed in terms of like plot and pacing and just general cringiness of particular moments. But I think that it's really harsh. I said I said this already. I think it's really harsh to compare it to the original based on how little we've seen. I guess. I mean, I think that clearly like Like what did people expect? Did people expect this to come out of the gate? Like Probably. Like if obviously I haven't seen it, but people are very people say that How I Met Your Mother was pretty strong at its peak. And if you're, I feel like as, you know, if you're Hulu, if you're trying to capitalize on existing IP, you get what you ask for in terms of like people coming at you for comparing it to that IP. That's fine. That's fair. I just think it was the wrong time to bring this back. I think the moment passed. I don't know if you knew that this was. Yeah, the moment passed in 2020. Yeah. I don't know if you are aware that they tried to reboot this once before. and With Hilary Duff? No, it was going to be called How I Met Your Dad. and Greta Your Dad? Yeah. Dad? Dad. And um, (laughs) it was... Greta Gerwig was supposed to be the titular character. Oh, man. Well, I'm bet. Uh, that's mean. Oh, shit. You know. Well, you know what? I'm sure Greta Gerwig has no regrets. You know what? I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, she's happy she did Lady Bird. Yeah. She's now an Academy Award nominated director. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think that where we are as a culture as like a society like and what we expect out of our content because we have access to so much like did this need to be added to our plate did this need to be one of the options probably not but I will stick with it I am cautiously optimistic that there will be more moments of joy definitely more moments of cringe but I'm along for the ride. What can I say? Stand by my commitment to Hillary Duff. <laughs> and we have a podcast to do. So there you have it. But before we wrap up, we do have a prediction to make. Yes, we do. Um, who is the father? Now, 25% chance of getting this right here because they've done most of the work for us. They've narrowed down the three and a half billion to just four. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, would you like to go first with your prediction? I would like you to go first. You'd like me to go first? This is tough because I could see it shaping out a couple different ways. Like, I feel like the longer the show goes on, the f- like, I feel like if this is like a two season show, they'll go with the more obvious choice. But if it goes on longer, they'll run out of story. And then it's like, anybody's game it's anybody's game like they like i don't know it's like ross and rachel done it what's next you know (laughs) um here's the thing i'm gonna rule out ian because i think that we'll look back at the brooklyn bridge moment and be like oh 
the soulmate was on the bridge. Yeah, that's exactly, I was going to say the same exact thing. I think that brings it from four to three. So that narrows it down to Jesse, Sid, or Charlie. I think that Sid is actually on the table because it seems like he and his fiance are 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 not quite a perfect match. I also think that, uh, as I mentioned before, Leighton Meester, who has some history with Jesse, is going to come back in in some capacity. And also, it seems like Jesse. I don't know. Is music his like career? It seems like if. Um, oh yeah, we have no clue what any of these people do professionally. I can't believe we didn't talk about that. I feel like, <laughs> like obviously, like uh, the Leighton Meester character is going on to have her big solo career. But if there is like potential for Jesse to have like a solo career of his own, I could see him getting written off the show and going to do that. I think it's Sid. Ooh. Yeah, I think Sid is the father. I don't hate that. Yeah. I don't hate that at all, except have they had, and I guess maybe they don't have, like he was on the bridge, so he's on the table, but they didn't quite have any meaningful interactions. They have not, but you know what? Jackie ends up with Fez, so. Yeah, so anything is possible. (laughs) So anything is possible. Yeah, I really like that. It is very clear that Valentina and Charlie are just like not compatible long term. Mm-hmm. Like they're not giving me Marshall and Lily energy at all. So I don't want to take him off the table either, but that would be really stone cold for Sophie to then start dating her friend's ex. Then again, Jackie did end up with Fez. truce. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie is chaotic enough to do it. It also seems relevant to note that it does not seem like Sophie is currently still with the father. See, I can, here's the thing. I think here's the, one of the reasons I could see the Sid story playing out is like eventually, right. His fiance is going to break up with him and he's going to end up back on Tinder or whatever, because it's going to be like, get back out there and they'll match. They'll match. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, is this just the Jaws game? Am I overthinking it? No one knows no what the one Jaws knows game what is, the Jaws but game I was is. the best at it. So. Yeah, this is a very, <laughs> very specific reference, but I'm going to go with the obvious choice in this case. I'm just going to go with Jesse. Yeah. Because you think that Sophie's Jesse's girl? I think Sophie is Jesse's girl <laughs> because at the end of the day, do I see this show? existing beyond like two to three seasons probably not and like you said if it is just going to be a 20 yeah if it's two seasons it's jesse for sure then it's jesse because they'll just wrap it up so you're saying so you think the show is gonna be canceled i don't think it's gonna be canceled (laughs) now you're saying that basically your prediction of who the father is gonna be directly correlates to how long you think the show is going to go on. Okay, do I think we're going to be watching How I Met Your Father in 2032? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, so you have gone with Jesse. Yeah, I like this. I think we have a short-term and a long-term plan in place. (laughs) Would you like to draft the other two just as, like, backups as well? Sure. All right. Which, well, I went first, so would you rather take Charlie or Ian? 
See, I, I just feel like knowing that the writers come from This Is Us and have, have spoken about how much they care about like layering in the piece, the puzzle pieces along the way and how intentional they're being with like Easter eggs and like moments. I do think that that Brooklyn Bridge scene is important enough to pick Charlie over Ian. Okay. So, or maybe I'm just, you know, being like a Swifty who reads into every word Taylor Swift says and then just thinks that they know when albums are dropping, but it's wrong every time. You were so wrong about that. I was so wrong. What did Taylor do to me? Oh my goodness. You you joined a cult. <laughs> <laughs> you should have you should have watched the path and then you would have known. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> Yeah, we're also susceptible to to cults. But okay, we have our predictions. We did our recap. I think that's a wrap on this. Yeah, I agree. So back next week, it seems like episode three is called The Fixer. Ooh. Yeah. And yeah, I, I am pretty sure from here on out, we're just going to get one episode per week. So we can we can keep it tight. Cool. So we will be back next week to talk more how i met your father aka the defunct lizzie mcguire reboot not quite but go with it as always you can follow us on twitter at outfit repeat pod you can email us at outfit repeaters podcast at gmail.com um, if you want to catch up on any of our earlier episodes about lizzie mcguire or any of the other random movies that we watched, you can do so at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters or on any platform where podcasts are available. Yeah, I'll see you next week to talk How I Met Your Father, season one, episode three, The Fixer. Mm-hmm.